Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode seven of Faked. And I think this one's going to be a nice change of pace, okay? Because this one's going to be all about fake money, okay? Everybody's got it, okay? You can open your wallet right now. You may even have fake money in there. But after this three-part series we're going to be doing, you're going to know better. You're going to know that that's a fake dollar. I mean, you've seen people at the, the stores using their little pens and their eyeballs and stuff like that. But... Let's jump into this. Uh, we're going to be dissecting this issue into three different parts. Part one being the history of counterfeit money, which will be this episode. Part two uh, being legal fake money. So there are instances of legal fake money, and that's what we're going to jump into part two. Part three is how to tell the difference between fake money and real money. So all of these are very long-winded I was doing research on it and oh boy, okay, I thought I was going to be able to throw this into one episode, but I don't think anybody wants to listen to me for an hour straight or an hour and a half straight talk on about money. So we're going to break this up, make it a little easier to digest. So first off, let's just highlight what is currency, okay? It's a word we throw around, but what is currency? Currency is a system of money in general used in a particular country. So doesn't have to be money. I mean, it doesn't have to be paper. It doesn't have to be coins. It can be anything. So when you jump back into uh, history, and I'm talking BC way, you know, way before coins. I think that's what BC stood for. No. Um, but the first known currency uh, we've been able to find was cocoa beans, uh, which the Aztecs traded back then, which just seems so crazy because, you know, we got cocoa beans everywhere, but that was something that somebody either had to grow or obtain in which they could exchange for other goods or services, I believe. Um, not sure they had a lot of plumbers or anything back then, but uh, almonds uh, were another one in India. So, you know, the things that you, you're popping at your, you know, your movies that are covered in chocolate, that was currency in India. And then Asia with rice, which, you know, rice is completely, you know, lost its value. You know, you can go to your local Chipotle and, and be flush with rice. I mean, for no extra money, actually, you can get extra rice. So pretty crazy stuff that we used to, you know, back in the day, there was currency that was, you know, a commodity like rice or almonds and cocoa beans. And I'm sure there are other instances and in that it was just whatever was difficult to obtain essentially uh, became hyper uh, needed. You know, that's what people needed whether it was to just obtain and have or to eat um, because food obviously was scarce in some of these environments. So 6th uh, sixth, sixth century BC um, is when we think coins came about. That was in Greece most likely, uh, which they were just stamped um, electrum. So electrum is an alloy of gold and silver. And uh, they were stamped with images of the present leaders or uh, some iconic uh, place, you know, in Greece. So whatever that was, it could have been in Parthenon. I'm not sure, 
But um, the fakes actually of those. So, so I'd like to mention when when we think counterfeiting uh, started. So I don't think there was counterfeit rice. I don't think there was counterfeit almonds and I don't think there was counterfeit cocoa beans. But once people started to um, create coins and things like that, it, it became a little easier. So some of the instances of first counterfeiting that people actually have today, they found were um, plated with electrum and then filled with inferior materials, which, you know, it's pretty crazy that it just... It came out so fast, you know, coins came out and then people knew, well, I mean, if they're making coins, that means we can make fake ones. So, you know, people were just as smart back then. So, uh, those were punishable by death though. You know, if you were creating fake ones now, there weren't, you know, super high technological ways of determining whether something was fake. You kind of had to scratch it off and, you know, determine that way, but it was punishable by death and typically really bad ones. When I was looking it up, we're, we're looking at like, I'm going to, we're going to keep this kid friendly, you know, just really bad stuff. Uh, so Ming China had a beheaded warning on anyone or any of their currency that had a beheaded warning. So if you were found faking currency, off with your head is a guarantee. Okay. And then actually anybody who found the counterfeiter, uh, got to keep all the property of that counterfeiter and then a large reward. So it was, it was really worth, you know, policing this because, uh, in the end you were rewarded, you know, very, very well. All you get today, it seems like is a Netflix documentary. You know, if you're a counterfeiter and, uh, you know, you get slapped on the wrist and then you get sent to prison and then you you know, get a Netflix documentary based off of you. So pretty crazy stuff. So a number of individuals in history have become famous as counterfeit money producers. So while we do look at, you know, people that were really, really uh, (laughs) criminalized for their activities, there were people who ended up becoming, you know, folklore heroes. So going as far back as fifth century, Alexander the Barber, Um, I don't think he cut hair though. That's just a guess. Was one of the first famed counterfeiters. He became so well known, in fact, that instead of being punished by the ruler of the time, which was Emperor Justinian, he was instead employed by the state finance department to cut everybody's hair. No, uh, to, you know, determine what were fake. So he was such a good counterfeiter that actually they wanted to utilize his talents for the good so other famed counterfeiters uh, were less fortunate. So the Bonnie and Clyde of the counterfeit money operation, Thomason and Rogers, were hanged, drawn, quartered, and burned alive after their coin clipping activity was discovered. Um, although during the time, most counterfeiters were actually seen as um, folk heroes or like Robin Hoods, if you will, you know, stealing from the government. And I don't know if they're necessarily giving to the poor, but, you know, you get the gist there. So Counterfeit currency has been in circulation for nearly as long as currency itself. Long before bills were used and uh, would used as a form of money, counterfeiters would alter other forms of currency to gain more value than the traded item was worth, which is what we were talking about, the inferior uh, metal that they would just plate. So obviously that would trade more than what it was, uh, you know, its base value was, which... Obviously, that's the the draw is to, you know, uh, obtain more than what you're giving out, you know, deficit there. 
So one of the early instances of this was during the um, foundation of the American colonies when Native Americans would trade shells known as wampum as a form of currency. So they're like blue-black shells, uh, which were more rare. So that shows you um, that they were kind of not a necessity, but more of a commodity um, had more ma- had more value than their white counterparts. So these blue-black shells had way more value than white shells. And as a result, some traders would dye the white shells a blue-black color and pass them off at a higher value. So people are pretty crooked. Kind of seems obvious by today's measure, but I think uh, we're more morally corrupt than they were. Shells were eventually replaced with coins made out of gold and silver. Each coin was weighted to the precise, uh, to a per- precise measurement, um, and the value of the coin was based on the weight. However, counterfeiters began to shave the sides of coins to collect the valuable metal on the outside. So before the coins were removed from circulation, uh, sometime during the early 1700s, counterfeiters had managed to reduce the weight and value of the original coin by at least half. So have you ever wondered why quarters and dimes have rigid sides? Uh, it was during this time that practice was actually developed to make it more noticeable when a coin had been clipped. So the difference on the outside, um, you know, they'd shave it down because there was no uh, outer rim. So as you shaved it down, it looked just like a, a, a smaller to the eye and smaller to the hand when you when you held it. But um, no noticeable difference. So that's why they have the ridges on the outside now is just to make sure that you aren't clipping those coins, making them smaller and removing its precious metals. So Samuel Upham uh, may be one of the most successful counterfeiters in history. Uh, he was a one-time journalist that began producing counterfeit money in an attempt to make a political statement. Uh, convenient, right? He eventually found more value in the lack of values and began printing fake money for profit. At the end of his operation, he claimed to have printed more than $15 million worth of counterfeit currency. One of the unique, unique stories of the Samuel Upham history of producing fake currency is that he sold tons of fake money from his shop as a, just a recreational item. He claimed that at the end of his career, he sold more than $50,000 of the fake money he produced. His production became so well-known that Congress made a ruling that counterfeit had become a crime and someone caught guilty of counterfeiting could be given the death penalty. So I think that's a pretty good place to just stop and take a little break and then we'll jump back into some of the more hard-hitting stuff. Benjamin Franklin's Leaf Collecting Service offering the deal of a lifetime. Too many leaves in your yard? No problem. From the man who invented electricity, this deal can be rather shocking. We collect your leaves for a fee, of course, and we use them for an anti-counterfeiting measure where we imprint the unique design of your leaves onto the currency. At Benjamin Franklin's Leaf Collecting, we aim to make currency as unique and inimitatable much like our wonderful customers. So make sure to send your carrier pigeon on down to BFLC and say Ben sent you. Welcome back, guys. We are going to jump ahead to 1865. So this is actually the introduction of the Secret Service, which by today's uh, definition of it, you'd think, well, you know, that's somebody who protects the president. You know, what does this have to do with counterfeit money? Actually, the 
origin of Secret Service was strictly for counterfeit money. So on April 14th, 1865, one of President Abraham Lincoln's last acts was signing a bill authorizing the Secret Service. Ironically, President Lincoln signed the legislation on the same day, which he would later be assassinated on by John Wilkes Booth, and the Secret Service would not be assigned to help protect the United States president until 36 years later. So, um, you know, seems like maybe there was an oversight there, but that was such a huge problem. Uh, counterfeit money after Civil War um, was huge because people were making money, you know, in every state. They were in disarray. Everybody was fighting each other. So with Civil War, obviously, there's not a uniting quality for currency because, um, oh, we don't accept that here or, well, that's only made in this particular state. So guess what? We're not giving you any of that. So it undermines the currency when you go into this civil unrest, but um, everybody had to kind of make their own thing. So Abraham Lincoln, you know, as many great things as he did, he also um, initiated a act in which, you know, united the currency. There was a one currency put out after that. I believe they called them greenbacks, um, which were, oh my gosh, so easily counterfeited. Um, so when the Secret Service was signed into law, its mission was to suppress currency counterfeiting. This was in part a response uh, of the rampant money counterfeiting that was happening after Civil War. Because of that united um, currency, they uh, didn't spend a lot of time in producing it, so um, there were no counterfeiting measures taken, or anti-counterfeiting measures taken in the um, introduction of it. So, oh my gosh, people were just going crazy with it. So it was estimated that at the time, around one-third to half of the money in the United States was counterfeit. So, which, you know, over time led to money having to have a lot more security features, which we will um, go into part three on. But um, overall, currency is based on faith because ultimately it is just a, a piece of paper, a coin, or, you know, something that the government promises has value. And you just have to have faith that it truly does because even money today doesn't have you know, the backing of gold, you know, we're off the gold standard. We have been for decades. So it's all about the faith. And when you create too much, um, people obviously lose, lose faith in the currency because this is something that is a piece of paper that they've told you, this is worth $1. This is worth $5. You know, this is worth 10 and, and so on. So guys, that is it for part one. I think, um, there could have been more that I went into. I just, I think I wanted to spark the the dry stuff. I wanted maybe you guys to do a little more investigating on this. If you if anything in this episode really stuck out, I would go and explore it a little more. Each item, I mean, there's so many instances of uh, recorded counterfeiting back in the day that we could have talked for hours about it. And that's why I wanted to break this into multiple episodes. So episode two is going to be more into what makes... Uh, counterfeiting money legal because there are instances where there are legal money operations uh and then we'll we'll get into that more because i think it's really interesting to hear about um opportunities that people have to make fake currency whether that's for movie props or uh actually to determine anti-counterfeiting measures you have to you know obviously make fake currency so we're going to get into that for part two so stay tuned 
And uh, we'll be talking more about this. I think uh, the third episode is going to be really exciting too. I think there's a lot of opportunity to go through and look at what we look at every single day because everybody's looking at money. Uh, we've all we all know the basic stuff. We know. Look at the, the ghost of the president on there. And, you know. Look at the red and blue threads in there. But there are some uh, counterfeiting measure, anti counterfeiting measures thrown in there that. Uh, you can't see with the naked of eye. And it's actually, some of these are protected strictly by these anti-counterfeiting operations that they're the only ones that are aware of it. So I may have some, you know, input with that. So it'll be pretty fun. So remember guys, with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. See you guys in the next episode.